Yeah, the technology has just advanced so quickly, like I said, looking back through the years, and it's it's really uh, remarkable how uh, how how far we've come, and and I and I don't see it stopping. It's just mm-hmm. going to continue to improve. I don't know where they're going to put anything in a squad car, but uh, <laughs> just take out the passenger seat. You yeah. don't need that piece. That's what yeah. I learned when he was doing his outfitting. You know, you don't need that piece. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's. Uh, but yeah, getting back to that, you know, it's conferences like that, and of course the the Wisconsin Chiefs of Police Association. They also have a summer conference over in Green Bay, um, that you know go to, and then uh, there's traffic safety uh, uh, conferences that they have uh, over in Stevens Point. Uh, the last couple of years, mm-hmm. and uh, I've sent officers over there to that. And that's a good way to for for them to, uh, you know, kind of uh, get their, uh, you know, the latest and greatest when it comes to uh, traffic safety issues that are out there and how they can, you know, we can address those issues uh, like uh, on Highway 54, Highway 13, or something like that. So those are always you know, good types of training conferences to go to. But then you also have, uh, uh, even like your one hour uh, webinars, you know, there, there is a lot of vendors out there that really provide a very good product in a, in in a, in a a webinar type format. Sure. And Mm -hmm. it, We've really experienced, especially over the last year, that, you know, you can get quality information and quality training, uh, even in a short one or two hour webinar that you can sit at at your desk and 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 uh, be able to then take that information and apply it to your daily activities or whatever. So, um and hopefully it costs a little bit less to just sit through the webinar than to send an officer right. Right. and his equipment and pay for yeah. that time yeah. away to another hotel area or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it runs the whole gamut. You know, there's a lot of really good information and training out there that's free. All, sure. you, all you have to do is know about it. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, uh, the the Wisconsin state of Wisconsin training the standards Wisconsin DOJ they 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 do an excellent job of putting I would say quality training information out there and if you know where to go look for it it's very easy to access and it's most of what they've put out there is free and then of course you have the private vendors where you may have a a, a chart as a small charge for an hour or two hour webinar or something like that uh and you you know kind of have to pick through that a little bit closer but uh it, it's still there's there's a lot of good quality training out there and then like i said uh, the local training we do locally where uh, it requires more hands-on tra- training, sure. Whether it be range or room clearing or things like that, you know, things like that. Uh, we all work together uh, and and try to do that uh, together. If if we have something um, coming up, you know, we invite other local agencies to. Uh, uh, participate if they want to send somebody over for it. Uh, we have a train, uh, train, uh, CN railroad, uh, uh, spur or, or a, a, a railroad line. That comes- yeah. The railroad yep. line there. We're, we're working with them right now to put to, together, uh, some training when it deals with trains. Okay. Sure. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily, we're, we're not focusing on how to do like a vehicle versus train accident, just some things to know 
when when you have a situation involving a train, what you to to work safely around that thing when you know uh, for for whatever reason that you're there, and we're having uh, CNN and uh, railroad come in and help us and and you know like some of the markings on some of the rail cars or something yep, if they're hazard the, materials yep. or or whatever you know what we should be looking for uh what we should be staying away from you know how to just approach it you know so you know if that that train should suddenly lurch or something where you don't want to be you know because you're going to get hurt you know so uh we and got it's probably some a little like hard to stage those those train accidents is, you know, but maybe right. it's like a 3D model that they, you know, they yeah. can manipulate just so that way you can see yeah. safety zones because yeah. you just can't they, go out and Yeah, they it. brought up that, you know, you really, if, if it's a, a car versus train, you know, we all kind of know how to investigate an accident. You know, mm -hmm. that's not a problem. But how this is more how to be safe around that train because it can be very unforgiving. You know, right. So that's that's what we're kind of focused on, what how to be safe when we're dealing with any situation, whether it's an accident or or uh, derailment, a derailment or something exactly something like that. Uh, so that when we're around that beast, it's uh, you know we can do it safely. So, well, uh, I'm sure you know a diesel electric locomotive big diesel engine and pretty much a small power plant. And we, we've heard, I've got a friend who does a lot of rail stuff and uh -huh. he goes, yeah, back in the day, they even took out one of the trains and hooked it up to the hospital to give the hospital power because the track was so close. This was in a different city sure. far away. Yeah, I was like, all that power, electricity just sitting there, mm -hmm. um, you know, to, yeah, the hazmat portion of it. Yep. And I'm sure even, you know, boxcars and hitchhikers and all yeah. that jazz come along with those things too. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that works real well where we can all, you know, we're, we're kind of putting this training together and inviting other agencies if, if they want to send somebody, you know, by all means do that. And uh, then, like I said, when other agencies have the same type of training, they'll put it out there. Hey, if you want to send somebody over or a couple of your officers over and, uh, you know, go through this with us, you know, it's... Uh, it works out very, very nicely. It's definitely good to hear that, you know, your department has a lot of highly trained professional law enforcement officers. Right. Um, some people might have a misconception that, oh, it's just a small town and they'll just hire, you know, Uncle Joe's buddy who wants to carry a gun and drive fast. Yeah. But it's definitely not that at all. Yeah. Years ago, you could have got away <laughs> with that. Uh, but in today's world, you can't. It's uh, whether you're on a, you know, large metropolitan police department or, you know, a small one or two man police department, you, uh, you know, you still have those same, uh, I guess, policies, procedures, and laws that you have to be able to enforce mm -hmm. and legally enforce so that you don't jeopardize, you know, your community that, that you're working for. So uh, the, 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 the small town, I guess, uh, uh, one or two man departments and uh, you know, you, they swear you in and say, okay, go out and hit the street. Well, those days have long, long gone by, and it just doesn't work that way anymore. So, Which is uh, good to hear. Yeah, yeah. So um, we'll finish up with maybe if you can give some tips to homeowners about, mm -hmm. you know, how can they secure their home and, sure. you know, be, be yeah. good residents in their communities. I know we have a lot of um, small, like, suburb um I would, wouldn't, wouldn't want to say gated communities, but we've got a lot of like little subdivis subdivisions, subdivisions that are yeah. out there. Right, right. Uh, I may get up on my soapbox here a little bit That's on okay. this one because uh, uh, I, I, I kind of alluded to a, a little bit earlier. You know, I, I grew up born and raised in this area 
And then uh, I actually started my law enforcement career with the city of Wisconsin Rapids. And I worked there five years, and then I went off and uh, 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 went in the Marine Corps, and I was a helicopter pilot in the Marine Corps. And, and uh, uh, once I did that, came back and got into local law enforcement and ended up getting uh, federal law enforcement down in the Chicago area. So when I left Wisconsin Rapids back in the early 80s, I was basically gone for 30 years. Yeah. And before I came back in 2014 as the chief here, I mean, I still had my family here and I'd come back for short visits or whatever, but, uh, you know, lived all over the country, basically from one coast to the other. And uh, when I, when I came back and started as the police chief here in the Grand Rapids, 30, after being gone for 30-some years, I think the, the number one thing that people, I, I was, I guess, a little bit shocked to, to learn is that people were still not locking their doors here. It's so oh, yeah. simple. It is. Yeah. And, and- they, they, uh, you know, they go away, uh, they go to work during the day and they they leave their house open, they mm-hmm. leave their garage open. Uh, and if they have a store, you know, there's a lot of storage, uh, uh, sheds or, or uh, pole buildings or whatever, uh, detached garages on people's property and they're all, nothing's locked up. And if there's one thing that I would love to see is people be more um, uh, involved in securing their homes, their garages, their storage sheds, their detached garages. Uh, the other thing is is uh, locking their vehicles at night. They pull their their cars in their driveway at night when they come home from. Uh, from work or whatever. And if they don't run out, it sits out there and they never think to lock it. You know, sometimes they even have the keys in it, yeah. you know, and they have a cup of change, you know, on the center council and, and maybe a, a, a GPS unit or something mm-hmm. laying there and uh, kind of getting back to the fact that we're a residential community, but that doesn't mean we don't have crime here. Because we all know that uh, the opioid crisis here in central Wisconsin is still going very strong. And they, people that have that type of addiction and, and need that, their, their constant fix of, of, of whatever, some type of opioid, they, they'll go out and they just look for easy targets. They'll look for that open door, that open car door, and they'll just grab anything of value, change, a GPS unit or whatever in their car. And it's just a matter of going in, grabbing it, and then they're gone, you know? And, and you know, we refer to it as car shopping. They mm-hmm. just <laughs> go from house to house. They drive around late at night and and they look for those easy targets. And just simply by locking your doors, locking your vehicles at night, locking your outbuildings that you may have, uh, goes a long ways in deterring that. Mm-hmm. You know, if if they walk up to your, if they're driving around and in, in, in car shopping and looking for easy targets, and your car door is locked, they're gone. They're they're out of there because they know down the street they'll probably find an open car door with a bunch of change in the center cup holder, and uh, you know they'll, they'll they just move on. Uh, so uh, you know, I really I still to this day find myself telling people lock your doors. And, you know, like I said, having worked in these major and worked and lived in these major metropolitan areas, even when I'm home, my doors are locked. You know, I, I, a lot of people say, oh, I'm home. Why do I need to lock my door? Well, 
It prevents people from coming in coming, and surprising yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, if, to me, uh, you know, I still preach that even when you're home, especially at night, uh, you know, you should have your doors locked. And if you're not pulling your car out of the garage, you should have the garage door down locked too. You know, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it seems very simple and common sense, but, um, uh, in t- in today's world, it's uh, unfortunately uh, even in a small community like Grand Rapids, you still have to take those precautions because there's there's people out there that uh, unfortunately have this addiction and they have to pay for it somehow, and they'll that's how they get that money, you know. Yeah. So our uh, you know, the, the, the biggest issue, I guess, in Grand Rapids is those, those property crimes and how best to eliminate that is just lock your doors. Take away the simple, easy opportunities. Yep, yep. exactly, exactly. One of the things that we like to talk about is the smart home you know, technology things that can really help with that. So getting some smart locks and then you can even check them on your phone. And it's like, okay, well, if the kids are off on a bike ride, well, you can, oh, did I lock the door? You can just check it on your phone and boop, it does it 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 remotely. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, all that technology again is great. And, uh, uh, but you still have to use it. You (laughs) it, (laughs) You still have to use it, you know? And, uh, you know, closing your garage door with your cell phone or checking it, like you said, or if you have a camera system and you check it uh, while you're uh, away on vacation or something, that's all fine and dandy. But uh, uh, like I said, it's just just those little simple things that, uh, you know, locking your doors when you go away, even if you're going to run out for an hour, you know, mm-hmm. well, I just got to run down to the store and grab something quick, you know. Lock your doors because you're. It's amazing how quickly that that can happen. Mm-hmm. And then, like you spoke about, leaving your garage doors and the big bay doors open, yep. and someone's driving around during the daytime trying to figure out where they're going to hit at night. Well, now you, you just opened up the window and you said, "Oh, look what they got in there." Yep, exactly. And then they'll come back later, maybe. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Well, good. Or, or like you said, they'll drive back two hours later and see if right. it's still up. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And again, thank you so much for, for the service oh, I that you provided that. to you. us, to yeah. our, to our country. My, so my, my pleasure. Yeah. So, so I really enjoyed it and thank you for being able to come in and, and talk and, and just go over some of the, the, the great aspects, I guess, of Grand Rapids. So it's, uh, uh, you know, I think our, our department and, and uh, the Grand Rapids Fire Department and all the employees that work for the town of Grand Rapids, I think, uh, um, you know, they, that we all have the same ob- objective in mind, and that's to keep Grand Rapids, uh, uh, you know, one of the safest places, cities in Wisconsin to, to, to live. So uh, we, we really do work pretty hard at trying to keep it that way. So. We appreciate it. Yep. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Chief Peterson. Well, that certainly was a treat having Chief Peterson over. It is. And, you know, we didn't get a chance to talk about the squad cars and how pretty they are. Um, Grand Rapids has some very nice, beautiful cars. I think the cop cars are very pretty. So, See, that's probably one of the reasons why you married me was because I used to play with squad cars all the time. They could just come over to the shop and play with the lights. You know, it's one of those things where most people don't know that these are just regular cars that they buy and they take them over to a shop like Low Voltage and Low Voltage actually puts in... You know, the back seats, you guys got a very expensive car and you guys rip everything out. I mean, the front seats come out, the back seats come out, all of the fluffy stuff and the ceiling that comes out and you guys pretty much strip it 
down to the base floor. Right. And a lot of vehicle upfitters will do that and then create their own independent wiring harness. And that'll have, excuse me, that, that'll handle the wiring for all the technology that goes into the cars. And, and like Chief said, it's just phenomenal what they've got going on now. I mean, right. it's a mobile office. It really is. It is. And, you know, you guys take out the back seats and you guys really do the, well, they don't need that. And then you yeah. set it off to the side. It's like, oh, well, they don't really need this piece because there's a different seat that is required to be into a squad car. So Right. All squad cars do have seats for the uh, subjects to be transported safely in, right. whether the factory seats or an aftermarket seat. It, right. It is, so don't worry. It is, it is quite unique to, to watch a car come in. And, and I've seen it. I've seen the whole entire process of a brand new car comes in on Monday and take you out on Wednesday for lunch and it is completely gutted. I mean, there's no seats, there's no dashboard, there's oh, yeah. nothing for, for, in the car. 45 minutes, it's all we need. Yep. Yeah. And then come back on Friday for, you know, Friday fish fry. And next thing you know, there's a back seat, there's two front seats, and there's, you know, all of the stuff that a squad car you would expect to see in a squad car. So knowing that, that difference of how those cars get made, um, it's really, that's why I think they're so pretty. I mean, you add so many pretty lights, they're, they're in there for a reason. So that way the, the car can be visual when those lights are going. But yeah, at the same time, it is just kind of cool to see how a car gets turned into a squad car. Well, and a lot of those things are, okay, we're going to go down this rabbit hole for a little bit. I know we are. Okay. But most all of those things are to increase the protection and ease of use for the officer. Mm-hmm. Um, so separating yourself from a person who's handcuffed in the back seat, we want that person to be well secured into the vehicle just in case something were to happen. You know, maybe they're driving back and a deer runs out and you get in a crash that way. Right. Um, or it could be a multi-vehicle crash. It, right. So many, so many variables. Um, police officers put themselves in risky situations all the time to come to the aid of the people who are in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the vehicle that gets them there is one of the most visual things for sure. That right. And their, their uniform. And, you know, you know the technology side of the squad cars better than what I do. But, you know, knowing when we see the lights go on, we, we know you can, you know, the, the brand of lights that each, each car has. So you know whether or not it's a Wayland product or yeah, if it's a, a... A lot of people go on road trips right. and they're like, well, that's that type of semi-truck or that's that type of whatever. And You know your police cars, like, you know you know your lights. Okay, so that's a Tomar light and that's a sound off light and that's a Wayland light. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. even watching movies mm-hmm. with you, you can you can always pick out who's, whose brand is, is whose. But even the technology with those lights, I mean, it's just, it's amazing how far we have come. Some products even have automatic dimming sensors built into them. Well, and there's, there's a, it, so there was a, wasn't there a year where there was a, a key fob that the officer kept on them? And so that way they can change the lights. Sure. You know, the, the pattern of, yep. of the lights because. Okay. It, it has gotten to the point where the vehicles can Bluetooth talk to each other as far as the lighting aspect. And if you're in a multi-vehicle chase, so you've got three or four squad cars from the same department maybe pulling up to an incident all at the same time, they could synchronize the patterns and brightness levels of their light bars when they're just near each other. It's like a Bluetooth connection and they, the squad cars talk to each other that way. And so every squad car has all the red flash, then all the blue flash, and it's all timed out perfectly and it, we got the white lights oh and my goodness you know we've it, it is it is amazing i mean i really do enjoy when you were working with uh, low voltage always did enjoy the chief show because you got to see the different squad cars you know whether it be a charger or whether it be a suv or a pickup truck just the different aspects of what goes into each different vehicle was always pretty amazing and like i said a lot of that's for the the officer's safety um, right. or, or the, the officer's convenience, um, even to the cameras. Uh, we had some departments that had five cameras in the squad car. So they're looking out on all four sides, plus one or two looking inside. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's for your protection if you happen to be in the car or near the car as well. That I mean, we saw a lot of body camera things go on. 
And we always have the canines too. So the, the canine, canines, right? canine car is always built just a little bit differently than a regular squad. So, you know, we gotta, always want to make sure the puppy the is puppies, safe. Right. You know, right? It's all about the puppies. So, you know, keeping them safe and, you know, their, their officer too. So it's really unique. It is a unique specialty that being able to take a car and turn it into a canine car or just a regular squad car is pretty, pretty fascinating. So I've been involved in some sort of or with law enforcement for my entire adult life, over 20 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying I want to use this as a platform to really highlight, you know, law enforcement and all that jazz, but uh, it's a little bit of a misunderstood profession, I think, sometimes, especially we see so much in the news and on social media. So it's it's really great that I can, you know, offer this as a platform for everybody locally to come in. You know, we had uh, some city administrators, you know, we're going to be asking fire department chiefs to come in as well. Right. And police chiefs, I mean, especially small town, our interview here with Chief Peterson, um, the town of Grand Rapids does a lot of work kind of behind the scenes even, you know, and Mm -hmm. I, I know a lot of departments do that as well. And they all work really, really good together, especially in this area. They do. And it's always really great to, you know, to chat with them. At the same mm-hmm. time. So that way, if you are in a car accident and you do get to meet these guys, you probably are meeting them on the most horrible day of your life. But just to, so that way you, you have a name to, to a face. I know that my family has experienced a house fire back in 2006. Looking back at that, I learned a lot about the fire department, about Rapids Fire Department and what they do during a house fire and all of the, the safety steps that they have involved with putting out a house fire. Most people think that they all rush in. There are certain steps that they do in order to keep you as a homeowner safe and also your belongings in the house safe too. So it, it was very unique situation. So I'm looking forward to the fire department coming over and that'll be a fun chat. We've got all year. We know. do. Well, we got a couple of years. Well, right. But I want to get a lot of these people in this first year. Okay. We've got 52 weeks, right? Right. And with like you said, with uh, the National Police Awareness or Police... Okay, you got to help me out with my words. National Police Week. There you go. National Police Week coming up in May. It'd be nice to to chat with a few of the local officers or, you know, if the chiefs can't come, let's get an officer in. And if we can get a puppy in, that would be spectacular too. It's going to be difficult to interview the uh, canine on air. I mean, it's just going to be a lot of woofs and huffs. But they look so cute in person. They do. Um, also, May coming up is Motorcycle Safety Awareness Month. It is. Because even though we're in Wisconsin and Mother Nature doesn't realize if the it's spring today. or winter, yeah, she'll eventually figure it out. And it's usually about May. So the motorcycles are out. And like we had discussed, the number of motorcycle and pedestrian crashes and, and fatalities have risen significantly in the last year. Mm-hmm. So. Some awareness to that, I think, is good. Yes. But right now we're in April. We are. We're in April. We're almost at the end of April. It's hard to believe that end of April is almost here. It just seemed like the other day it was just Easter. But looking back at the calendar earlier today, it was like, okay, wow, um, May is coming up very quickly. So I'm going to segue into April is Fair Housing Month. Yes, it is. So that back in... You know, 53 years ago, Lyndon B. Johnson signed into law the Fair Housing Act of 1968. Yeah, that's 53 years. Okay. Because we're in 2021. I can bring out my pocket calculator and... No, that's a discussion for another day. (laughs) Well, we'll leave your mathematics teachers alone with that. So fair housing has been around for a while. Yes, it has. And it really came about because there was a lot of unethical practices that real estate agents had been doing. Um, I use all those past tense words, but unfortunately some real estate agents are less ethical than others all around the country. We hardly see any of that in Wisconsin. I mean, we really, really don't. Right. About the only thing that I would, you know, cautionary tale. So we like to be a little bit more cautious cautious on, on some things, you know, we always hear about the uh, seller letter. Oh, the you love know, letters. Ha- yep. The love letters, you know, buyers write a letter to the seller. So that way it gives your, your offer a voice. 
it was stuff that we've we've always done in the past of, you know, why don't you write an offer? Why don't you write a letter or write a note to the seller? And that way you can kind of explain who you are and, you know, you're excited about putting down roots here in the Wisconsin Rapids area. But as we kind of discovered throughout the years. Well, well we, we wanted to personalize the sterile transaction of changing finances to buy a house. We wanted to make it more about buying a home. Right. And really that it, the, it the came out was of good. really yeah. good intentions. And, right. And that was a trend that most every realtor was doing. Right. And, you know, after a couple incidences, I'm not saying that they happened here in, in Wisconsin, but nationally, mm-hmm. the, the association kind of put out a, a caution to us agents to do the, please be careful with these letters because these letters could be in violation of the fair housing. So kind of educating, you know, our buyers of if you did want to write one, you need to be cautious of this law that is out there. So you're not in violation of the fair housing laws. Right. And it's, I mean, everybody jumps to a race and gender type of an an age. Those are really the big three, Mm -hmm. but also familial status. So, you know, if you've got two offers and one is a family and one is a single person, the seller might be more inclined to choose the person with a family because, oh, it feels good to right, give there's kids in the house and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. So we really need to be cautious of those letters that do come across our dust. So we haven't had too many buyers recently ask if they should be writing one of these letters. We've been discouraging it for that reason. We've been telling our our buyers of there's the fire housing law. We need to be very careful with that letter of anything. You can write them something and we will present it after your offer has been chosen. Just so that way there is, you know, a clear cut seller looked at the offer and was not moved by a letter. Right. And definitely, you know, if you're listening to this and you happen to be working with us because we have a listing that's out on the market, we do still present those just not at the critical negotiating point. Right. Because we, we do, we do understand this is a personal thing. And we, we want people to feel good about the people who are coming into their house. You know, And we also, you know, being the listing agent when we're working with our sellers and we're sitting down with them at the kitchen table at the end of the day, and we're looking at five offers, seller always asks the question, well, which one is the family? You know, do you know anything about any of these people? Even if we met them all at the open house and we've, we've had situations like that where we met everybody who wrote an offer at the open house, we really cannot comment on that. We really, and we do, we do a great job of doing the, I have met every single one of these families. Every single one who wrote an offer would always, you know, it would be great, but that's not what this is about. This, you know, we need to look at the offer outside of who, who these people were, why did they want to buy my house? All of that has got to get put, pushed off to the side. We got to put our feelings off to the side for a little while and look at this as a business transaction. Right. Um, and, and I do appreciate being in a small community area. And I, I really, because we, we interact with so many of the other realtors in the area mm-hmm. um, socially, you know, we see everybody on the street or at Walmart you know, we have a much more personal connection with the other realtors. And I really think the fair housing is really an, an high ethics, a high ethical thing that everyone in our area is uh, is working at and working with and being ethical about. So. Right. And there's there's been a couple of times where we've seen the same names come across our DOS at the same time with the offers. So, you know, the, the house is in, in that same price range. This is now like the third, fourth, fifth offer that they have written you've had the listing for three of those. So you start to recognize some of these names. So you've got to make sure that you're looking at this as a business transaction and not as, you know what, we really need to make sure that Mr. Mrs. Whomever gets the house because this is now his third time with us. You know, we need to be very cautious of that. So we don't do that. We look at, we label them, offer A, B, C, D, E, and F. And we just take the alphabet and that's who they are. 
And we even mix them up when we get them in. So it's not the first offer we present is A is the first one that came in. It could have been like the last one that came in because we take those offers, we mix them up and we lay them out on the table of this is offer A, this is what it's about. Offer B is this is what it's about and go through every single one of them. Let's dive into the market. Yeah, let's dive into that market. And just, you know, as we're talking about buyers and sellers here, where are we looking at for homes? So right now it's Wednesday night, April 21st. Okay. Oh, by the by the way, Thursday, which is tomorrow, is Earth Day. It is. And today is Administrative Professionals Day. So correct. Cheers to all y'all. Housing. Let's see. We have twenty three. We have twenty three in of, all price ranges. In all price ranges that are active without any current offers, which I think is larger than it was last week. Part of me wants to keep track of bit. these numbers, but I really don't because. The numbers is what it is. And I know that we've had a couple homes come on the market today. We got to go see one and made the appointment by nine o'clock in the morning. And again, noon, Ready has two offers on the table. So, you know, again, there's a lot happening, a lot of moving and shaking, but it looks like our price ranges are starting to kind of fill up. So between that 100 and 150, that's usually like the sweet spot for for homes. I want to say there's five homes in that that price range. Six. Ooh. Yeah, there's six. There's six. Um, if you want to bump it up to 160, that'll add another. So that'll be seven. Okay. Mm-hmm. So definitely and some options out there. By the way, it looks most of those came on within the last two days or so. That's two or three days, which means they're in the process of reviewing offers if they've you know been getting some in. Mm-hmm. And like we've discussed, a lot of agents are you know coaching their sellers to, hey, we need to hold off for a day you know, give a little bit of time to really get the market able to get in because everybody's looking to buy. Right. And the conversation today with our buyers, taking a look at the home that we did go see, knowing that there was two offers on the table, family was not ready to jump in and say yes. So we did our usual, take the day, we can always write a secondary offer. You know, if it does get accepted tonight, but you really do feel that this is a a good home, we can always write a secondary offer. So walking through some of that of what is a secondary offer? What does it mean? How does this all work? You know, had that great conversation with them. So family left going, okay, we need to think about this. And we really need to make sure that this is the true home for us. This is what we really are looking for. And we keep hearing that sentiment as well. Um, with spring now coming, and I think a lot of a lot of people are uh getting over the frustration of what happened with the pandemic, they're rethinking about getting into the market and actually selling their house. Um, I, I believe a lot of the economists, especially nationally, I've been you know looking at the National Association of Realtors and Yahoo mm-hmm. Finance and all those other outlets. Uh, the sentiment is this might be the last chance before interest rates go back up again a little bit. And that'll be slowing the push of buyers to be buying houses at such a high rate or inflated rate, if some people want to call it that. I mean, the market isn't going to fall out. So if you're looking at housing and you're seeing numbers, you know, what am I going to get for 120000 It's probably going to be the same thing that you're going to get for 120000 in a year. Right. Right. I, I, I believe the plateau is, is coming quite quickly. It is. And we're starting to see that by, you know, the number of homes that are on on the market and looking at the homes, we're not seeing those overly inflated prices of, we know the house should be listed at, you know, a hundred thousand and they have it listed for 150. You know, we're not seeing that, that huge overinflation, you know, they're listing it still fairly close to that hundred thousand mark. Definitely. Now, if you want to bump up your budget to over 200,000. Okay. Um, let's see, we've got one property listed at 160,000. The next one up is 225,000. Mm-hmm. So 225 and above, it looks like 13 options for you. Okay. So, and a couple of those have come on within the last week. I'd say about half of those have come on with the last week. Okay. And that's a whole different category of buyer because of their income is going to be able to handle that. And those properties usually don't go quite as fast 
as the 100 to 170. Right. So if you're looking to purchase a house, there are still options. So get with your realtor. And if you don't have one, call us. Yes, definitely give us a call or, you know, the other on the other foot. You know, if you're looking at, well, you know, I might be moving. I want to definitely take a look at what are my options here as a seller. Give us a call. We'd love to sit down and just chat with you about what are the options for selling a house? What do I need to do? Because as we keep saying, I'm going to probably talk to you just a little bit of, you know, that low, low cost, but high impact. So let's paint the walls. Let's do some, some light cleaning, some light dusting, let's declutter. But again, you know, I don't want you to be redoing a bathroom in order to get to that next price range. So having that great conversation of having us in the home and we can walk you through it. And if you're the child or, you know, family caregiver of someone who's thinking of moving into assisted living, you know, now would be a a good time to consider making that move and getting the house up for sale. Yeah, we can sit down with you and with your loved one as well and talk to them about what steps they need to do because we can start working with you with that assisted living place as well. So that way everybody's on the same page of what is really going to happen with mom and dad's house or grandma and grandpa's house, aunt's house, uncle's house, whomever's house that is. So having those conversations ahead of time is also going to be very helpful. And we like to work at your schedule at your pace. So mm-hmm. if this is a process that's go- that is going to take a year, we're here for the long run. Yep. We're, we're happy to help. We're, we are your marathon runners. We'll, we'll work with you all the way up until the very finish line. So a couple bits of news. Okay. Nationally, there are some propositions um, at the government level to push the home foreclosures mandate as if there's an occupied property that the foreclosure might be happening, but the owners are still living there. Those could be pushed off until 2022. Good news. Good news for them. Yeah. Um, And a lot of these are stretched. Normally they were only like government back loans. So like FHA or VA. Um, But the proposition is that they cover all types of loans throughout the entire secondary and primary market if the bank wants to get in on this program or um, meaning that you're in a forbearance already. Okay. So the government will say, hey, these other homeowners are still occupying the residence and they're still in a hardship situation. Even though you're not using a government-backed program, we're still going to try and, and cover you so that you know, you won't be forced out of your house. Okay. So that's neat. Some thing to keep an eye on as we move forward. So a lot of the other um, indexes from around the news world are saying pretty much what they've been saying, that, you know, interest rates are going to go up slightly. But housing is going to continue. You know, people still need to move and still need to buy houses. And across the country, people are starting to offer their houses up for sale and listing them a lot more than what they had been over the winter. Mm-hmm. So everything is looking up to restabilize into a market that we had, you know, a couple of years ago, calling it more normal, I guess, but we'll have to, you know, plateau and stabilize up to whatever the market is going to tell us it is. Right. The, uh, what, one of the neat things is Forbes has a job claim report. So jobless claims in early April dropped significantly across the country by like over 152,000 jobless claims newly started compared to the months ahead. Wow. Yeah. So people are getting back to work. Mm-hmm. Um, even just looking at the uh, the ads online and, and TV, it's like if you want a job, if you're capable of working, you can certainly find a job. And, you know, a lot of salaries and starting wages are in the teens. Right. We just so. had a, a local job fair last week over mm-hmm. at the old East Junior High. Yep. Over and, by Witterfield. Yep. Over over there. And I think we had 75 companies there. So wow. there was definitely a lot of, of job opportunities here in the central Wisconsin area. So now we want to touch on my favorite blog, the Styled, Staged, and Sold blog. 
This All one right. happens to be again by Melissa Dittman Tracy. Excellent. Let's see what she's got to say today. The greens are overtaking kitchen design. The green. Green. Green color. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to go back to our seafoam green. We're, we're going to... Our sage. Going to go back to the 50s. Okay, All right. But a lot of these styles, even though you can order That's the, a pretty picture of a stove. I wouldn't mind the stove if it was like yeah. in stainless steel. Well, the top is stainless. Right, see, but see I like it? the front stainless. And that's the thing. Back in the 50s and 60s, so much was porcelain mm-hmm. or steel that was painted. You know, now we have powder coating. We've got a lot more robust finishes. Okay. And they're pairing it with modern textures like stainless steel instead of shiny chrome like we had back years ago. But also not just those um, retro colors, but bringing in color of every shade of green. So a lot of the the turquoise greens okay, complemented with, you know, a bright white countertop or marble mm-hmm. and the hardwoods, you know, greens and hardwoods, you know, wood flooring and wood cabinetry, those always seem to go hand in hand. Right. Okay. That's kind of nice with the white kitchen, white cabinets, white countertop, you know, it's nice, neat and clean. And then the big island has got that spark of green. I mean, that is a very beautiful kitchen. So instead of using that green color as your primary color, using those as accents. And I did see that KitchenAid was bringing back the Seafoam Green KitchenAid mixer. Oh, lovely. So they brought out their their new line of mixer colors. And I believe Seafoam Green was an option. There you go. We touched on food once again. I know. Awesome. I felt really bad with the with the chief and we didn't talk food. So I got to somehow bring it in. <laughs> and the kitchen is a perfect place to do it. See, that's why I wanted to talk about the blog. Mm-hmm. But yeah, or two-tone, having the dark forest green on the bottom with the white trim, but the upper cabinets being a lighter shade. So that, I think that's also a good good balance, a good contrast. I really did like the gray and white tones that they were using and then doing that splash of green with fresh plants in it. That mm-hmm. always looked really nice in, in offices. It was more designed for, for an office. They have the gray walls with the white trim and the white shelving and then have like the brass um, planters, mm-hmm. like a little atrium. Sure. With the fresh, with the green ivy coming out of it. So having that, the hint of green in there, that always looked really nice. One of the artistic um, kind of stylized or, or styles that have been through architecture is really trying to bring the outdoor greenery experience mm-hmm. indoors and inside the house. Yep. And so these earth tones, you know, the greens and the browns have always been popular. Um, and we can see one of the other thing is using the, the seafoam colors and then, you know, embracing that retro look completely. Mm-hmm. So using a small tile as well, or like a, a polka dot where you've got the edge. The hexagonal. The, the hexagonal. Yep. 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 Um, or these, the square tile, you know, essentially with the corners cut off. And so you've got another little square tile in between it. Mm-hmm. So a one inch tile mixed into a field of four inch tiles, for instance. Um, cl- uh, a lot of the modern styles are keeping things clean you know, um, simple, nice clean lines without a lot of razzle dazzle that we, you know, think maybe the nineties and the early two thousands had more of the crazy wild comparisons. Now things are they much had the glitter. Cleaner. It was the glitter, glitter era. Glitter glam. Yep. We so, had the glitter on the ceiling. We had the glitter on the floor. We had the glitter on, on everything. I mean, it was glitter. <laughs> you had some sparkle in your life every day. Now, if we think back in history, with the big movements of people building houses and kitchens and all that stuff and technology really coming back. The 50s were very, very heavy into that. You know, the traditional wives stay home. Men were coming back from the wars, and so they were just working in the workforce, and there was that separation. Well, it really started in the 20s. Okay. The Great Depression was relieving itself a, a mm-hmm. bit. And I'm generalizing, of course, you know, over the course of 10 or 15 years. But the push to get back into the house, 
technology was starting to build up again just before the wars. And, you know, maybe we're back 100 years later, kind of embracing those trends again, but in our own way. Right. That's kind of neat. So we talked about chandeliers last week. They're talking about it again. Let's let's talk about styles that are hot or not. All right. So really big crystal chandeliers. What do you think? Hot or not? I'm going to go with hot. Hot it is. Mm-hmm. Right? A statement piece that can be hung from the ceiling. They're saying bring that, you know, 1920s revisited, that old time glam and the movie stars and all well, that jazz. with all the glitter that's, or all the little tiny crystals are on there, when you turn on those lights or the sun hits it during the daytime, it's going to make rainbows throughout the house. So definitely going to have to have some sort of glitter or sparkle in the home. Well, Melissa Dimitrici is saying that we're seeing them in unusual places, such as the owner's suites. Mm-hmm either above the bed or in the bathroom. And we kind of mentioned that last week. Well, we had, I think, two, uh, two homes that we sold where we saw a lot of the, uh, the crystal chandeliers. You know, they were the smaller ones. They were only three inches. They were close to the ceiling and kind of had that copper look to it. So you still got that sparkle mm-hmm. with a little bit of flair. However, oil rubbed bronze that we had seen in the early 2000s, that is not current style that's that's trendy okay so was that this the style that we had in our old bathroom yeah pretty much okay i still like that so well you know to each his own but right as the majority trend it's not as popular but i think all these things can really be done well Mm -hmm. and when it is done well it's timeless right well we got to find a new toilet paper holder because I want to go back to the little arm that flips up instead of trying to do the, the squeezy um, tube. Yeah. Because, yeah, I had to change the toilet paper roll and kind of it shot across the room. I'm like, you know, I want my old toilet paper handle back. So just in case all your listeners are wondering, you know, that's that was my struggle this week was I had to go chase down the little pieces for the toilet paper. Because they went springy springing. It did. It did. <laughs> So if anyone is curious about the housing inventory and what's for sale, check us out at MyRapids.com. If y'all are curious about how to get in contact with the uh, local communities or historic places or anyone else, you want some local links, go to MyRapids.info. And if you want to give us an email, head over to Google, just type in MyRapidsRadio at gmail.com and that'll get an email over to us. Well, excellent. Or if you just want to send us a text message, you can do that at 715-323-2577. That's about it for this week. It is. It was really great chatting with uh, the chief today and also you, Ben, too. I enjoyed chatting with you. So you all have a great Central Wisconsin Day and we will talk to you later. Bye-bye.